Welcome in to episode 17 of Shake Down the Numbers. My name's Cooper Klaus, and I'm joined as always by Jack and Cannon. Jack, how's it going? Going great. Good to do a off-season episode. I, I miss editing podcasts, so <laughs> yeah, good to good to talk about some some more good news for the Notre Dame football program and signing Marcus Freeman. Yeah, I took a little break here um, after the off-season and after the season ended. We've started some work on some projects. If you follow us on Twitter, um, you've seen some of our work come out and at onefootdown.com. And today we'll be, we're not really breaking news here, but kind of going over the analytics of the Marcus Freeman defensive coordinator hire. Yeah, so Jack, this is your statement, and I'm just going to steal it from you right off the bat here. But this is a statement hire by Brian Kelly in Notre Dame going out and outbidding or paying just enough for a coach that the SEC really wanted and LSU coveted heavily. It was reported earlier in the day when the news broke that LSU was going to be signing him. And I lost some hope for uh, kind of what was going to be the next step. A few hours later, we hear it's not a done deal. And then you see Notre Dame post on Twitter. We've hired Marcus Freeman as our next defensive coordinator. It, it was huge. I think it's, it's, something that we I didn't really expect to replace Clark Lee, another elite coach with just replacing him right away with another elite defensive coordinator or a rising star in this industry. It's impressive. Yeah, it's a huge get. And, you know, Notre Dame got priced out of Mike Elko a few years ago and ended up with Clark Lee, which worked out incredibly well. And, you know, he leaves and gets promotion, which is good. And when Notre Dame's bidding against LSU, it helps that the last two defensive coordinators, one gets a unprecedented chunk of change from Texas A&M, and one gets a head coaching job in the Power Five. So when you run your program well, the way that Notre Dame and Brian Kelly have, you reap the rewards of that. And one of the rewards is becoming a really attractive destination for coordinators that need jobs. And it makes sense to me. I mean, Notre Dame, I think, is a better job for a defensive coordinator right now than going to LSU and coaching in the SEC is. So I think Marcus Freeman did the math and, and saw that Clark Lee got this job at Vanderbilt, which was, it's a power five job and a job that Clark really wanted having been an alum there and getting a chance to go back to his alma mater. And I think Freeman saw that he could have a similar opportunity here to elevate his career with a few good years at what's a really good program right now. Yeah. And for those of you out there, that might be concerned because I know it's a it's a valid concern and a large faction of the fan base probably feels this way. But don't be too concerned with Freeman potentially leaving in two, maybe three years. Clark Lee left in three years. It's a that's a great problem to have. If you're losing coaches to promotions, that's an awesome problem to have. Look at Alabama the last six or seven years since kind of their reboot into a offensive powerhouse. They've cha- interchanged offensive coordinators every couple seasons, Lane Kiffin to Sarkeesian, now to Bill O'Brien. When your coordinators are getting head coaching jobs, the best coaches in the country are going to want to come to your school because they see it as a launching pad for their careers. Either it's them kind of reworking their image a little bit, trying to shine their star a little bit, or you're just getting rising stars like like a Marcus Freeman to come in, do quality work for three years, and leave your program in a better place and more attractive for, for these candidates. So let's get into Marcus Freeman's statistics a little bit. We put out a thread comparing Marcus Freeman to Clark Lee. And before we get into the details of how they've kind of stacked up, well, first, let's just qualify this by saying that nothing that's about to be said is supposed to be negative about Clark Lee because Clark Lee did an unbelievable job at Notre Dame. He was an incredible DC, 
fully deserving of the, the promotion of Vanderbilt. So even in a few areas where we're going to point out that Freeman has, has had some more success, spoiler alert, than Clark Lee in certain areas of his game, none of this at all is supposed to, to disparage Clark Lee. But before we get into the details, Cooper, do you want to talk a little bit about your adjusted EPA figures that you, you cooked up for this thread? Yeah, so I built this. I wanted to build this for a while during the season. It was just kind of, it wasn't really feasible. Just time um, kind of working and balancing this. It didn't didn't have time to do it, but the off season, we have some cool projects and this is one of them that was able to knock off pretty quick. But so what we're trying to do is basically adjust for the opponent's strength, whether it's passing the football, rushing the football and compare that to the FBS average. So essentially what happened was I kind of looked into when does a team's tra- like trade last X amount of games become the most predictive for a team's future game. So it happened around the team's eighth game around week 10. So the way the opponent adjustment works is you compare your opponent's EPA numbers over the last eight weeks to the FBS average over the last eight weeks prior to your game. And then they essentially just subtract or add on either if, if they were worse, you subtract from your EPA number. So let's say you played, you averaged 0.3 EPA per play against team X team X is 5.05 EPA worse than the league average. So how the adjustment works is you just subtract 0.3 and 0.05 to get 0.25, your opponent adjustment EPA. It's a little more complicated than that, but it's a very, it's a very easy way to understand it. And Marcus Freeman was lights out, even when adjusting for EPA, like you could say he plays in the AAC is the Cincinnati does. And you know, it's not the greatest quality of competition, that's the best conference outside of the Power Five. Yeah, it's better than people say it is. Yeah, Memphis is really good in there. UCF is really good in there. There are some good teams in there. A lot of points get scored, too. Like, there were some seasons yeah. where that Memphis offense was really good and that UCF team scored a ton of points. So even if the level wasn't spectacular, it was still a, a, a headache for a defensive coordinator, and Freeman was consistently up to the task. Yeah, it was negative 0.35 EPA per pass um, this past season in 2020. And opponent adjusted it was negative 0.31. Both are second in the country. Like it's just an elite defense, top to bottom, pass versus the rush, however you want to slice it and dice it. Yeah, he gave up negative 0.03 EPA per rush, negative 0.07 adjusted, which shows that actually the AAC is a difficult conference to stop the run in, uh, clearly, because they're getting an adjustment that's actually making it look even better. He was spectacular with his secondary last year. Like negative 0.07 adjusted EPA per rush is very good. Negative 0.31 adjusted EPA per pass, second in the country, absolutely ridiculous. And with not a ton of talent back there, they have an edge rusher who's projected to go in the mid rounds. They have a safety who may go on the third day of the draft. He may not at all. They had one defensive player get drafted in his time there, and he was a seventh-round pick. So he has been consistently – I mean, in 2019, negative 0.08 adjusted EPA against the pass. 2018, negative 0.23 adjusted EPA against the pass. They have been consistently excellent against the pass and without a ton of NFL talent back there, which is going to be critical for Notre Dame because you look at Notre Dame's defense for next season – Tariq Bracey is, is going to be playing a big role at cornerback. He was benched midseason, probably not where he wants to be. Clarence Lewis is going to play a big role. He's a true sophomore, still a bit unexperienced, still a bit unpolished. Kyle Hamilton's a superstar. There's no need to worry about him. But then it's Houston Griffith, who we found out is coming back and is 
kind of a patchwork safety. And there's just not as much NFL talent on the back end as there has been in some previous years. There's no Julian Love back there. There's no Troy Pride back there. Clarence Lewis may take that step next year. It may take another year. It wouldn't shock me if he's an NFL player someday. But it's really encouraging to see that Freeman was able to get this kind of production out of a secondary that did not have a ton of NFL ready talent because outside of Kyle Hamilton, I'm not sure how much of that Notre Dame has in a secondary next season. Yeah. It's the raw talent is going to be better than what Cincinnati has, but yeah, in terms of, Oh, absolutely. It'll definitely be better. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just not to say that, but. Oh yeah. In terms of kind of anyone you point to that he is going to get drafted Outside of Kyle, yeah, there's no one really there that you can kind of pinpoint. I mean, Lewis, so. I, I would not be surprised because he's just so young, but you can't. Notre Dame has gone first, into, yeah. Yes, we've gone into three straight seasons now with a veteran cornerback in love, pride, and then last season, McLeod. And all of them, I don't know if McLeod was quite, I don't think McLeod or pride was quite on, on love's level. I thought love was I mean, not a hot take. Love no, I'd probably player. rate, yeah, Love, McLeod, Pride would be my rankings. There. Yeah, yeah. So you could you could debate which order McLeod and Pride come in, but there's there's nobody at corner that's rock solid like that for next season. But I will say that if if Lewis is to take that next step or if Bracey is to, to get his career kind of rolling here, in terms of systems, I'm not sure anyone can get more out of these guys than Marcus Freeman. Yeah, um, my hot take is that Marcus Freeman will make people forget about Clark Lee, and that's credit to Marcus Freeman not to disparage Clark Lee. But uh, I'm I'm not ready for that fully. Like the, these stats are encouraging. He's he's better against the pass. He has been about as good against the run. They've both been good against the run. Lee was good to great against the pass, and Freeman's simply elite against the pass. I think that's certainly possible. Like I I, I wouldn't be surprised to see this defense improve next season, which is, it would have been really hard to project that when Clark Lee did decide to go. Yeah. I'm not willing to die on that Hill, but I'm willing to throw that take out there this early. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Nobody's listening yet. So you can just just throw out whatever you need to. Exactly. So according to ND insider, they had a pretty, some pretty good quotes from Mike Dembrock. They talked to him. It was, they either talked to him after the Freeman hire or sometime before, but uh, kind of the big difference that you might notice uh, this coming these coming seasons or that is that Freeman plays a lot more man defense and is generally more aggressive in his calls with the scheme. So here's a quote from a couple of quotes from Denbrock. First, Marcus's philosophy starts with the fact that he's a believer in contesting everything. Nothing's going to come easy. You're going to have to earn every yard. Yeah. So, I mean, getting into the specifics and it's been all praised so far and rightly so if there's one area to watch for as a potential negative, and we saw it, constantly last year it was deep passing defense against it hurt against basically everyone i mean teams didn't even have to be really that good on offense to take advantage of notre dame's defense vertically passing and freeman's defenses gave up first downs on long third downs in the passing game so that was something that irish fans got used to last year hopefully we won't see more of it but it could be a concern based on the way that these graphs look yeah, it was only 14 plays from like kind of each bucket there. So I wouldn't read really too much into it. It could be, I don't know, a penalty it could be just be. Oh, it could easily be noise. It's just, it's just something that after a full season of worrying about that every week and then yeah, you lose Crawford and you lose McLeod, like it's, that's an area that Notre Dame's coaches, they now have eight months to, to look at it. You know, it's something that you give up a bomb here and there against your pits and your Louisville's and you can kind of dig out of it. But teams that can really 
throw the ball down the field over and over can really hurt you with that. And they can hurt you with play action. So it's just something that I've noticed in these charts that everything is so good except that, which just reminds me of Notre Dame's team last season. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean though that they were deep balls too. They could just be on like crossing routes that just they played too safe and oh, just, yeah, the guy ran. So yeah, so I, I would caution into that. There's something I can look into it a little bit later and kind of see what the numbers um, say out. That's good. I try to bit. I try to tailor my take to create more work for you. That's, that was <laughs> well, a good one then. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to stick in kind of general terms here with the numbers. We had a, it's with the charts we made, it's easier to kind of see some of the points we're going to make. So you can check that thread out on Twitter. We break down EPA per play by situation, all situations, first, second, third down, passing, rushing, and just compare both coaches. So check it out there for kind of a more in depth view. I think one area where you're going to see a big difference is kind of what's considered third and manageable. Lee's defenses were lights out on third and short, both against the run and the pass. They were actually kind of average in third and manageable. So like the third and four to 10 yards where Freeman's defenses, that's where they really excelled. And I think a concern with Freeman's defenses, one area they struggled at Cincinnati was short yardage with the defensive line talent in Notre Dame. I don't think that'll be an issue. And if he's able to tease out the same kind of performance, from the four to 10 yard range, this defense could take a big step up. Yeah. I think that, you know, I would never claim to be a, an X's and O's person, but I would have to imagine that that third and short situation where teams are frequently running it, they're frequently running it tight. That has a ton to do with defensive line talent. Like, you know, being able to stop a third and eight, I think there's a lot of scheming that you can do. There's a lot that you can bake into that stopping a short run on, on third and short, I think comes up a lot with the players you have. And I think that to be able to upgrade in terms of the talent he has on the D line going from Cincinnati to Notre Dame could make up that difference alone. Yeah. And it's kind of weird. Lee's defenses were actually kind of susceptible to giving up positive EPA on third and long. So um, it's just, yeah, it's just weird. It seems like kind of Freeman kind of matches Lee in the run game and he's just, his style of defense is just more aggressive and a, there might, I'm guessing it could lead to some kind of breakdowns and maybe it's more high risk, high reward type of play. But clearly, it was the reward was awesome in Cincinnati that was well worth the risk there. That I just think if he's able to bring the same style of defense, it translates well from Cincinnati with the talent they have to Notre Dame with the type of players they have. I don't know enough to kind of make a, a grand statement on that, but I know one of Kelly's philosophies in this hire or kind of one of his requirements was that there was enough continuity from Lee to what whoever they hired that they wouldn't have to change defenses and I think I think Freeman ran a 3-4 at Cincinnati technically but it was more multiple so I don't think it's going to be as big of a transition as um, maybe some other coaches would have been I think since it was a more multiple front look it'll be kind of easier to kind of plug in the talent the type of players Notre Dame has right now. And it mattered to a lot of the recruits that the defense be similar, just to be able to play a yeah. role that, that Clark Lee had kind of promised them that they'd be able to fit into at Notre Dame. I think that was critical. And we're already seeing some dividends on the recruiting front. I know there is a linebacker that USC had committed that got an offer from Notre Dame and decommitted from USC the next day. Whether or not he will actually flip remains to be seen, and I won't speculate as to what a 17 year old is thinking about their college choices. <laughs> but, uh, but that seemed like a pretty direct correlation there. And 
We'll see. I mean, it seems like he's already hitting the ground running. Notre Dame hired a director of defensive recruiting from Cincinnati, which as far as we know is a new position at Notre Dame, which is awesome because I think that a lot of what's going to make Notre Dame a better program, it starts with recruiting and more resources, hiring more people, as simple as it sounds, that can make a big difference. So whether it's X's and O's recruiting, what it says about the program, this is just positive all around. I think it's the most positive I've probably ever seen the consensus be about anything Notre Dame football related. And it makes sense. It's, there's just nothing to not like here. Yeah. Jack was just telling Notre Dame to hire us. If you guys weren't wondering, we're wondering there more resources. <laughs> That's the only way the reaction would have been more positive. <laughs> yeah. Is if they brought us everyone loves us. Exactly. Yeah. No one, no one hates it. No one yells at me on Twitter. Every time I say we should throw more. No, that never happens. Uh, but yeah, I think it's made a big difference. The thing there too, is that you have a limit on the number of coaches you can have on staff. You don't have a limit on the number of analysts in the recruiting front as, and just no limit there. So it's a easy area that can pay big dividends for your program in the future. Just getting more resources. Cause just how, ha- yeah, just having more resources, you can just better kind of allocate a coach's time throughout the day and just be more efficient with the time that they do have. Cause they have to go coach these guys too. It's not just recruiting. They're trying to go coach the current guys currently on the team too. So um, yeah, more resources is better. Yeah. I think there's not really much to get into here. I think it's, it's a, a very promising hire. I'm very excited about it. I think it's going to be lights out. I, I'm not going to die on this Hill, but I do think he's going to, make people forget about Clark Lee. And if anyone can get the most out of this secondary, I do think it's him. And I yeah. think that was probably the most important in the very short run of one year, which when you're hiring a coordinator like this is probably your first thought, because I'd imagine he's not going to be around a ton longer than two, three years. This secondary is might be the weakest position group on the team for one season that could be debated, but it's up there he's historically gotten the most out of secondaries without NFL guys on them. So that alone makes him a spectacular hire and everything else is just gravy. Yeah. And in case, if it, if it doesn't work out, I think it's important to note that we did like Brian Kelly didn't miss on this hire. Like it was at the, like it was a great process and it was a great hire at the time. Even if it doesn't work out, that doesn't mean it was the wrong hire. It just, things just didn't work out. Something went wrong. So I think it's important to keep in mind, especially in the future when, um, we talk about fourth down decisions. It's the, if it's a scenario of good process, bad results. If you go for it and you don't get it, it's good. It's good process. The result just didn't work out. And if Freeman, if that happens to Marcus Freeman, it's the same thing. So I just yeah, wanted to always, always take the points. Three points is better than none. <laughs> always pin the other team deep. Uh, those are always, those are the, the fundamentals of football that biting, bite people's kneecaps, you know, all that, all that good stuff. All right. This is going to become a solo podcast. Uh, sorry, sorry, Jay. <laughs> but I think that'll do it for us. I think, uh, sorry if we're a little rusty here. It's been a few weeks, but, um, this was fun. We might have a special guest coming on in the near future. I'm not going to say who, cause it's not confirmed yet, but it's an exciting guest. Um, I know him from my time at Notre Dame just give you a little teaser out there for any of you that are listening um but it's exciting i'm not i'll it should be up in the next month or so if we're able to confirm it and um lock it down but uh just something to look forward to um during the kind of this dull period with Notre Dame football i don't know how anyone could look forward to anything that vague but but yes it will be exciting i I went to notre dame um from 2015 to 2019 so uh, if you want to peruse the football roster from those times, uh, maybe maybe go for it. You might find out uh, 
get yourself an idea of who it may be. But that's all I'll say. That's about that's about as open as I can be without it. I, with it, it's I not think. Brady Quinn. It's yeah, it's not Brady Quinn. Sorry, guys. Yeah, but it's it'll be an exciting guest if we're able to get him. So, but yeah, thanks for listening, Jack. This was fun. Uh, check us out on Twitter at nd underscore fb underscore analytics and at onefootdown.com. And thanks for listening. Give us a five-star review if you can in Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. And as always, go Irish. Thank you.